0: Love and light, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of El Podcast, the greatest virtual happy hour in the world. Cheers to all of you. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you aren't subscribed on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe and also hit the notification bell so that you don't miss an upload from us. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Today is going to be a very interesting show because we have all the way from the UK, we have Ash Silver. She is a content creator and has two YouTube channels of her own. One of them is called Coffee and Cults, and her main channel, ash silver her channel coffee and cults explores frauds cults and scams she has done extensive research on the theranos saga and so today we are going to discuss all things theranos the rise and fall of elizabeth holmes so please be sure to stay till the end thank you so much ash for being with us today
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: really excited to be here can you give us just a a very quick refresher on the theranos saga and Elizabeth Holmes
1: Elizabeth Holmes is a super super interesting person and you know the the media as well has portrayed her in this in this certain way and you know there's a lot of truth but there's also a lot of mystery still there because she doesn't really talk to the press anymore but when Theranos was in its heyday that's all she did was talk to the press but a lot of that was was filled with lies. So it's kind of trying to sort through the truth of of what it is because obviously when she was sentenced and found guilty, uh, well, she was sentenced this week and found guilty in January, she was found guilty of lying to in- investors about everything that was going on. So she dropped out of Stanford when she was 19 and started the company. It was called Real Time Cures the, back then. And after about a year, she changed the name to Theranos. And she originally wanted to do this patch idea that was basically putting antibiotics and a diagnostic test in, like a bandage, basically, or a sticker that you would wear in your skin. And it would be able to detect whether you would have, you know, something like an infection and it could give you antibiotics. But that's kind of science fiction because there's a reason that you have a big IV bag with antibiotics because of the potency and stuff. So she went to one of her advisors, Phyllis Gardner, and she said, you know, this this can't possibly work. There's no way. And she went back a couple of other times and Phyllis Gardner eventually introduced her to Channing Robertson, who was the head of the engineering department at Stanford. And he very much gave her her credibility. So he thought she was amazing. And he actually left his tenured position at Stanford to go and work at Theranos. And from there, they just slowly developed. They got uh, investment from Tim Draper, who was the first investor in things like Bitcoin and Skype. And she had actually gone to school with Tim Draper's daughter so she had a lot of connections and that's how she kind of got her foot in the door with a lot of these investors because she went to VCs and they saw right through her and could tell you know this is this is not lining up with what she's saying and then she started down this path of this machine that could do all diagnostics and everything like that and that kind of started the whole saga that. We f- finished basically after 15 years on Friday when she was sentenced.
0: Really interesting, and one of the things that baffles me a lot is about the investors and um, that you mentioned. Now she raised like 700 million plus from these venture capitalists, private investors, and so on. Big names you have Rupert Murdoch, Tim Draper, like you said, Larry Ellison. You know, she never had a formal medical education. How was she able to convince these really really smart guys to
1: give her money uh, wouldn't that have been a red flag there's a multitude of reasons I think this worked for her and you know you have to also some people will try and and not look at this fact or not point to it but it is also the fact that she is a young good-looking blonde woman and these were all older men that, There has to be something there, even if it's just for a small percentage of them. It could be a big percentage. We don't know. But also, I feel as though a lot of of this isn't accounted for when, when you do hear people talking about it in the media. And it is this kind of rich, white, upper class people club that she was in the club. You know, she went to Stanford. She went to a very elite. Uh, prep school as well so she had a lot of those people in her circle already like tim draper's daughter and she knew what the rules of the club were how to go in and and make connections and speak with people and it, it is a lot of that i think with sort of any industry where if you have gone to these you know higher education places you're in, in this club and it's, it's always some sort of, oh, I know someone who knows someone. And there's, there's all these connections that it isn't necessarily, you know, something like, oh, she went in and did a presentation. I'm sure a lot of those cases were her being introduced to someone or someone's friend, putting in a word for her, that, that happens a lot in these situations. It says a lot
0: about the VCs then, if you know, typically isn't. I thought it would was their job to
1: vet a company before they even put any money. She didn't actually get any, like hardly any money from. I don't think she even got any money from any VCs because the venture capitalists, like the actual funds, not from you know people like Tim Draper, that when she went to those very traditional funds, they were asking for proof and for. And, and there is like a very quick scene of this in the, the show, The Dropout, where she's going, you know, driving around and then they had her like screaming in the car because they were all asking, like, you have a high school diploma, like, how are you doing this? And no one else has done it. So there was, there, there was people raising questions. I mean, I have followed this case extensively since about 2000 and well not it wasn't a case then it just followed her since about 2007 because I was in my doing my undergrad and I worked in a lab and the lab director at the time I remember bringing it in like it was in one of the magazines and talking about it and he was like there is no way that this is like, this isn't possible. There's no way. And so from then I was always skeptical of her and just seeing it over the years, like, you know, imagine someone saying they said that to me, I, I trusted them. I knew they were a great person and there was other people other, I have a medical company now, but over time I've always been around doctors and people like that and the, all those people were questioning, but I kept seeing all this stuff in the press and I was like, how is she getting away with this? That like regular people are saying this to me and yet, you know, she's in time 100 and all these other things. So that's why I've always been so fascinated with it because, I, I mean, I, I thought it would catch up to her, but it did take a long time for it to. She is kind of built a little
0: differently as far as her character. What are your thoughts on just her character in general as, you know, as a person? You know, she did change her voice, she did the whole dress like, you know, Steve Jobs. Is that characteristics of um I hate to I hate to say that word psychopath, but like is there some kind of like mental illness type or you think like she knew exactly what she was doing and it was like tactics of a real scam artist, you know, to stand out in Silicon Valley?
1: That's kind of the question I I go back and forth with all the time. Like she obviously knew that it was a scam and what she was doing was wrong, but there are those people that maybe it's more like borderline personality or something, but they do act like, I know people like this, that they believe their own lies like they she would always think that if she just got more money if she just had more time that she would be able to do this and that kind of blatant belief in yourself and and your abilities i mean also when she started she was 19 and when she was like in her heyday you know she was still in her early 20s so i do think A lot of us are probably delusional, like a little bit delusional in in the early 20s where everybody thinks like, oh, you're going to change the world and all this stuff. And it's just, I think, magnified with her because she started off so young and did so, you know, quote unquote, well, like she was on all these magazine covers. She was worth six billion, you know, all this stuff was happening for her. And you have all these people reinforcing it all the time, telling her how wonderful she is, how amazing she is. And as I've said a little bit earlier before we start recording, I work with a TV show and I see it all the time. These people that are young come in like in their twenties and then over like 10 years, you just have people telling them, you're so amazing, you're wonderful. They make so much money that they they don't even have to deal with other regular people anymore. They have people that do everything for them and they don't have to do regular things like cleaning your house or getting groceries. And they just live on this other plane of existence. And I think that kind of happened with her too. And she believed her her own lies just that that's kind of what i think happened and i don't know whether you know she's a sociopath or anything like that it's it's hard to say but she has done some real stuff that you could point to and just be like what is going on because not only all the stuff with the company but to get pregnant twice when you know you're pretty much guaranteed to go to prison for a significant time is just you know insane and who would would want to do that to a child also is is just wild so she really doesn't help herself with things like that
2: don't you think she was getting pregnant just to try to maybe garner sympathy with the court or the jury or as a way to try to postpone her her court date, I mean, she used the first pregnancy to postpone her court date. And and then, you know, for the second, or when she actually had the sen- sentencing hearing, she was pregnant again. It seems to me like this is all like tactical. Like I would imagine she maybe had her legal team or some of their advisors maybe even pointing to that as a possible way to garner favor with the court. Or secondly, maybe she knew she was going to go to jail for a decade I mean, she's 38 right now and when she gets out of jail, I mean, she's not going to be able to, to have kids at least naturally, I would think when she's pushing, you know, close to 50 years of age.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say that too, especially like as a woman, like I, I hate talking about things like that. I hate saying things like, oh, and even talking about people's reproductive stuff and, and but it's just a very unique situation with her because she did, act, you know, hurt so many people and these things. And, I mean, a lot of people did suspect that's what she was going to do. A, a lot of people that, you know, were very involved with the case, like John Carreyrou and Phyllis Gardner. Phyllis Gardner was saying she was she was waiting for it to happen. And even the Theranos, like, Reddit, subreddit is was calling that stuff too. So... Yeah, I I mean, I'm sure she did want kids. And if she's thinking, I'm going to go to prison, this might be my last shot anyway. But I just think most people would think, oh, well, I'm going to prison for uh, most likely a decade. But also, it's her. So she probably was thinking she wasn't going to have to deal with any consequences. I think she asked for 18
0: months of a sentence i'm speculating that it's tactical that i feel like her lawyers probably mentioned it that you could probably get some leniency because you're now a mom but i guess we'll never really know oh
2: i was just just gonna say i think you bring up a good point maybe she's so delusional she didn't think she was gonna go to jail like i'm gonna have kids i'm not going to jail anyways like
1: if if somebody said like what you know you can only say one thing the is the answer to that That, that's what i would i would say but she can't say things like i have a kid in in her case but there's you know people find things out people see things and it it just i i do think it's more along the lines of she was just so delusional that she was gonna get you know she because she's never really had to face any consequences like i know she's been on trial for ages but you know, everything got postponed and postponed and she's been able to get out of, like, the FTC stuff before. So let's talk about Sonny
0: Balwani a little bit. Um Talk about how they met and that, that whole relationship and how he came into the picture uh, of Theranos.
1: So Sonny Balwani is a significantly older man who he started... Well, he actually made... A significant fortune in kind of the internet dot com boom. And he was more a right place at the right time kind of guy, but he always saw this as like he was a genius because he made this money. And he also was someone who just also lied about a lot of things that he's done in the past. And he met Elizabeth when she was on a kind of it improvement uh, learning sorry that she was on an improvement course for mandarin she's really fluent in in mandarin and she went to this stanford mandarin course when she was i think when she was only 17 or 18 she wasn't actually in Stanford yet and sonny had gone on it as well and he at the time was probably in his 40s and they ended up meeting and you know Getting acquainted, they they started out as friends, and he was like unofficially advising her. And then when Theranos got into its first sort of trouble, he came in and gave an investment that they they were going to you know be in real trouble if they didn't get money in. So he kind of saved saved the company, but that also meant that he would come in as CEO. Uh, so that's when he entered entered the company and he just seems like an absolute tyrant the way he managed, if you can even call it that, at the company. I mean, lots of ex-employees talk about just how awful he was. John Carreyrou's book, Bad Blood, goes into extensive detail about how awful he was to people and... Yeah, he just does not seem like a great person. And then, of course, when Elizabeth Holmes went on trial, she alleged, and you have to say alleged, that he was abusive to her. And I mean, obviously, we don't know what went on behind closed doors. If there's an age difference in a relationship, if somebody's 30 and somebody's 50, like, you're both adults. Like you're, you're both living normal lives. And I always just question when a grown adult, like over 30 would want to date anyone who's a teenager. And it just seems to be a very weird dynamic control, all of that stuff. It, it just always makes me very suspicious and question anyone who would start a relationship with a 19 year old.
2: It's interesting you kind of bring that up cuz like you had this big age discrepancy between Sonny Balwani and Elizabeth Holmes and now Elizabeth Holmes is dating Billy Evans who's what close to 10 years younger or 10 years or junior and it seems like uh, you know you got Billy Evans who's now Elizabeth Holmes' husband who is an MIT graduate whose family uh, owns you know a bunch of hotels in the San Diego area, and I'm like why is Billy Evans dating Elizabeth Holmes?
1: Yeah, I, I actually have seen like a lot of people who went to school with him. There was a, a couple of people on the Theranos subreddit that were talking about it, and I did also see some interviews with with some journalists who are very involved in like the Theranos case. And they all said that he was that type of person who just, like, loves attention. So, I mean, it's infamy and not really fame. So, I guess he just likes attention in no matter what way. Because, yeah, I would really question anyone who would... Not not only because, like, obviously she hurt a lot of people. What she did was extremely wrong. But just the fact that someone would enter a relationship with someone who's going through such a public spectacle. and. All that that entails, and you know, I'm I'm sure that they deal with people attacking them or people trying to find. I I know in his letter to the judge, like he talks about people finding out where they live and they can't really go out in public, and your whole life would just have to change because you were with this person. It just seems like a very odd decision.
2: Yeah, you kind of brought up the the letter to the. To the judge, I mean, I think Elizabeth Holmes had what 130 different letters that were written by various people, and it, it didn't seem like any of the letters really did any favors for her. Like you mentioned, I mean, they're saying they can't go out in public, or you know, Billy Evans is saying that. But then she never really accepted responsibility. Even in the letters, like her family, Billy Evans, it seems like they're talking about how they have to live with this, but it's like they did this to themselves. She never once accepted responsibility. Her letters aren't accepting responsibility, whether it be from Billy Evans, whether it be from her her family. I mean, it seemed like she... Ha- Like even to this day, like her entire family and Billy Evans and all these people around her are still convinced that she like wasn't a scammer, that she actually had this device, that she had the technology, and it never was. Like she like this this whole the whole family is still wrapped up in this delusion.
1: Yeah, I I definitely, definitely, like without a doubt think the biggest thing that affected her sentencing was the fact that she hasn't taken responsibility and shown any remorse because, I mean, my whole family are lawyers and just even the lawyers that I've spoken to you know, friends and stuff about this case, everybody says like the fact that she has not apologized and shown remorse, like that will seriously affect her sentencing and it did.
2: This brings us up, I think, kind of to the sentencing. So Friday, which is a few days ago, she was sentenced to eleven years, three months, or one hundred and thirty five months total and i've seen from experts that think that she kind of was sentenced too harshly that they thought that she was going to get five years or so and they in these typical cases as they as they say but this to me isn't just a case about fraud which she defrauded investors out of close to a billion dollars, which is an insane amount of money, but the fact is that over a there's over 1.5 million tests that people actually went to Walgreens and got the Theranos test. How many people were misdiagnosed or, or had life altering situations because of the test. And I think 11 years is actually a very light sentence. When you factor in that, it's not just about defrauding investors out of money that you were tricking people that had illnesses and life, Life, like they needed these tests to affect their life. I think that it's a very light sentence for Elizabeth Holmes to only get eleven years, three months. And if she does good time, things like that, she's going to serve maybe eight years. And that doesn't even include the fact that maybe she appeals it and gets a lighter sentence to even begin with.
1: I mean, she'll she'll definitely definitely appeal without a doubt. But just uh, two things that. She probably will uh, serve most of that sentence just the way that this type of cases work and they normally do serve like a big portion of the time. I would say it'd probably be like 10 years that she would serve if she, you know, she will appeal. When it comes to the actual sentencing in the case, it's... It sucks. It really, really sucks because like, obviously most people, when, when they talk about this case and they say, what did she do wrong? Most people would say that, that like she affected people's lives. She caused all these issues, medical issues for people. She was lying to people about their medical results, but they can't actually use that in the sentencing because she can only be, be sentenced on the fraud stuff, the investor stuff. Why is that?
0: How come she it's, she's only getting sentenced on
1: the fraud? That's it's just the way that they, I mean they thought that they could get the win on that because she was originally up I think off the top of my head it was 12 charges and then it got brought down to 11 and then it was brought down further and then of course when the the case happened she was found innocent on several, on all the patient charges. And then there was a hung jury on three. And then the only ones that she was found guilty on were the investor stuff, because when when it was um, in court, there was certain stuff that they couldn't talk about. They couldn't talk about the emotional impact, like the woman who in John Kerry's book, who talks about the fact that she had to go, she got a Theranos test and it ended up saying that she was, you know, having all these issues and, and that she could be having a heart attack. And she went and sat in the hospital. I think it was on Thanksgiving, actually. And she ended up with like, you know, this insane bill. And she went through all this stress thinking that, you know, she was going to have some serious issues. And she testified in the case, but she was only really allowed to talk about what that's, like more the finance financial stuff. And then there was people who who had were told they had a miscarriage when they didn't. And they had to talk about, you know, their situation, but they couldn't talk about the emotional impact of these things. And I mean, the main thing with the sentencing was that they could only, I think it was four guilty counts, but they were all tied to the investor stuff. And uh, John Carreyrou had Tyler Schultz on his podcast that was kind of like the addition to the the Bad Blood book. And Tyler Schultz, of course, was like instrumental along with Erica Chung in, in getting all of this exposed. And John Carreyrou was, was asking him like how he felt about it. And he was like, I'm just, you know, glad that there was like a guilty at all. And he did say like, you know, it it would have been not better but like it it would have been more justice if it if she would have got found guilty on the on the patient stuff but the the jury obviously didn't feel like there was enough evidence or whatever they they felt that there wasn't something there that she should be convicted on
2: why yeah. do you think that Sonny Balwani was he was found guilty on four times the number of charges as Elizabeth Holmes why do you think that that Sonny, I mean, I think if Elizabeth Holmes got eleven years, I feel like he's probably going to get more. I think that's clear. How much more we don't know.
1: He'll probably get a little bit more, just even though he has more charges. The way that they they do this sentencing is on like a point structure, and like their points end up like pretty similar because it's a similar amount of money and stuff. But on the, on the question about why, I mean, there is stuff like he was more involved on the day to day. He was the one more doing things with the financial stuff, but I'm kind of a straight shooter. There's not really like, you know, I'm, I'm not shilling anything, anything for anyone. I'm, I'm straightforward. I mean, it, it also is because he is, uh, Person of color. He's a man. He's older. He's an immigrant. Like all those things are. This is the world we live in. It does affect the way people are are going to to see him, and it shouldn't. And it sucks that it does. But we have to like call these things out because not talking about them is, you know,
2: that doesn't help anyone. I mean, she was the CEO. I mean, Sonny was the COO. So I mean, if I look at as the CEO of a captain of a ship. I mean, even if you're not responsible for something directly, it happened under your watch. So you're, you're responsible. It seemed like her defense, at least in the way that the TV show, The Drop-Up, portrayed it, was that Sonny was the kind of the bad cop. She was the good cop, that Sonny did all these things, and that she was just a puppet. And I'm like, no, she totally knew what was going on. I think Sonny was totally in love with her, was going to do anything that she wanted, and was kind of hurt the way things ended. For her to use that, to use Sonny as a scapegoat, I mean, that's all he is, is a scapegoat. She was the one that was pulling his strings.
0: Do you think that too? Do you think that Sonny might have been the... The fall guy.
1: Yeah, I think that Elizabeth Holmes is a lot smarter than than people give her credit for. I I think that has a lot of validity, and there's so much evidence, there's so many documents for this thing. Like the, over the years, like I, I've read all the emails and everything that's out there, and it's just obvious as hell that she, of course, she knew everything that was going on, but she was. Probably setting things up so that it it looked worse for for Sunny and things, but I don't see how you can possibly say that that she is less guilty or whatever you want to say. But they're they're both they both knew what was going on. They both were doing all of this stuff. And they probably will end up with very similar sentences, but Sunny will get probably a few a few years more. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Whatever whatever happens yeah. when he's sentenced soon. Do you think
0: that her appeal has a chance of uh, getting her a lesser sentence? Do
1: you think she has a chance? I'm not a, a lawyer. I just uh, obsessed with <laughs> the Elizabeth Holmes whole thing. But uh, from what I know, I wouldn't think so. From what I've heard, I I do like listen for the law side of things. I listen to Emily D. Baker, who she is a former prosecutor from um, California, and she does talk about Theranos stuff. And I I mean, people always appeal, like Ghislaine Maxwell, all all those people appeal. And it's just like something that that people shoot a shot at, but I don't think she really has any chance at, at getting a lesser sentence or, you know, anything like that. She's tried everything with like all the stuff that happened with Adam Rosendorf and She's literally tried everything to, to get all this stuff postponed. So I I don't think that, that she'll be getting house arrest or anything like that, no.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I love the show with The Dropout, but what did it get right? And what were some of the things that were also
1: just like dramatization? I think it was a really good show. I do think that they had to water a, a lot of stuff down because, of course, like if they only have eight episodes, they have to make it palatable for... A large audience who who are going to watch it, and as well the way people watch TV now, like everybody watches it with their phone in their hand. So you can't go into like these crazy details and stuff. The cast was was really good. Maybe actor Naven Andrews, who played Sunny, was a little bit too good looking, but Amanda Seyfried was was really good. I think they got the the basic stuff right. I mean, I would not necessarily dramatization, but I think. There was a lot of stuff that they had to gloss over and I wish they would have done one more episodes or they could have done another series because I feel not they don't need to do like six seasons of it, but they could have done two because the last episode was actually like my least favorite because I feel like they just rushed through everything. And they wanted to be the first people to put it out, so they didn't even wait for everything to end, and they just used like the title card at the end to like say what happened. There was quite a, a lot of things that I think they had to make concise for time because you know, like we saw in in the dropout, like everything with Walgreens, and then we just they briefly like one line mentioned Safeway, but Safeway was like. A huge part of it, and Safeway actually ended up more involved than Walgreens because, like, Walgreens already had like space in their stores, but Safeway actually put like an insane amount of money in and built these purpose-built theranos places. And when she kept pushing back the the date, the CEO was uh, Brad Bird, and he and he didn't like directly use lose his job for the whole Theranos thing, but it was a big part of it because they put all this money into building these like Theranos suites, and then the machines weren't ready, so they kept pushing it, kept pushing it, and they tried to ask Elizabeth like, "Can we use it for I don't know like eye exams?" And she was like, "No, no, no," and so Brad Bird sided with her. And because they all this time went by, Safeway had factored the Theranos revenue and profit into Safeway's profits. And because they weren't hitting like their financial goals, it meant that all of these, you know, board members and CEOs and all of that, because they didn't hit the financial goals, they didn't get their bonuses. So they all started getting really, really annoyed. And that's when they suggested that Bird left the company and they they dressed it up as like a voluntary retirement. But then he literally started this company, I think it's called Bird Health. And it basically advises, you know, companies how to implement more because his big thing was like, you, you're going to be bankrupted by your employees, healthcare money, like it, cause the amount of stuff that, that they have to pay for is skyrocketing. So he, um, he's doing that. And I, I know he did try and get, because he thought Elizabeth Holmes was walked on water as well. He was another one. And he, she never ended up like, I think in John Kerry's book, he said like she never called him back again after he left Safeway. So
0: thank you for that. It's it just, um I keep trying to wrap it in my head how Walgreens gave her a deal. Safeway was ready to get her a deal without seeing the actual product how did they lie about the product itself
1: yeah i mean they they did these these kind of things in in two ways so like specifically with walgreens and safeway and even though it was evil it was brilliant what she did because she played walgreens and safeways insecurities off each other so walgreens is the second biggest like pharmacy chain the first is cbs so they couldn't risk cvs getting the deal if this thing if it was real so they literally like put it all on black and and had a bet but the way that they also would you know just lie to everyone about the machines and the capability they did this a lot with the reporters is that they so you would show up whether you're Walgreens, a reporter, whomever, and you go into Theranos, you go into a room and basically they're like, oh, okay, we're going to give you a tour, blah, 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 blah. And they would prick your finger and do the test, put it in a machine. And then they'd be like, okay, let's take you on your tour. And they'd make this whole big song and dance about setting the machine. And they would take the person on the tour, take them to go and meet Elizabeth or Sonny or whomever. And then when they left the room, someone would run in, open the machine, take the little finger prick out, run down to the Jurassic Park lab, because they had Jurassic Park, which was like old technology that worked. And Normandy was the new machines that didn't work. And they would have people do the tests, like on a bench, like a lab chemist would, or they would put them in these, basically in the blood testing industry, some of the most popular and well-known machines are Siemens machines. And they are not supposed to be touched or calibrated in any way apart from people that are servicing them from Siemens. But Sunny had the employees at Theranos, like basically jailbreak them and hack them. And so what they, because the Siemens machines were used to working with, you know, a big vial of blood, they would get the pinprick and basically like put, mix it with water or another solution and then put it through the machine. So that's why everything was like crazy off kilter, no results made sense. And they, but they would have people doing the, you know, visitors things on a lab, bench or through the siemens machine and then they would do it run back upstairs feed it into the machine and then after the person had the tour they would bring them into the room and be like oh okay and a lot of the time they would have them install an app on their phone in in a couple of my videos i have like screenshots of the of the app and like how the website looked and When the machine was done testing, it would send you a report and it would have, you know, you tested negative for syphilis or your vitamin K levels are blah, blah, blah. And so that's how Roger Parloff and all these big journalists who really helped blow Holmes's profile in the media. That's how kind of they had the wool pulled over their eyes this is insane this is
0: like (laughs) really really freaking crazy so many people were fooled for so long and that's that's what makes it so interesting so in the jurassic park
1: wasn't that where erica chung worked talk about then the the whistleblowers so they worked yeah in jurassic park and then i think it was erica got moved to normandy and basically, when she was in Normandy, so she was then working with the hacked Siemens machine and, and the new, the Edisons that didn't work. Whenever they, they were doing these tests, like, as I said, you know, they're diluting these samples, they're they're producing these insane results, and they started having this kind of rule that certain ones, because there's, there's certain blood tests that literally they were coming back. And the only way that the, the numbers would, could be right is if literally the person would be dead. Like the, the numbers were that insane. And so Erica was really uncomfortable because she knew this, this is wrong, what they're doing. And a lot of like blood testing machines and things, you have to calibrate them. You, you know, you should be taking averages and things like that. And what they were doing a lot of the time to make sure the machine calibrated correctly is that they would, you know, say they needed to have five results and it, one was like way out there. They would just delete that result. And Erica was like, that's not how you're supposed to do things. And so eventually her and Tyler spoke about it and they, uh, they did try and speak to Elizabeth and Tyler kind of took the the lead in speaking because he obviously had the protection of his grandfather being George Schultz, who was extremely involved with Theranos and, you know, introduced Holmes to lots of people. And it only very recently came out because a lot of people were like, why was he so, you know, on Holmes' side, took Holmes' side over his own grandson? And I mean a lot of people suspected this, but the the proof did come out that Holmes had actually given him a huge chunk of Therano's stock. So he had financial reasons to to want to make the company a success. And so Tyler basically went to Holmes, wrote this email, and then he got this insane response back from Sonny, who wasn't even on the email chain, and he basically you know, was saying that how dare he like question them. And Tyler then went to his grandfather who was still like, no, Holmes says it works. So it works. And they, you know, everything that happens in the show was, was very similar that they had a falling out and he basically, you know, Holmes took, the grandfather took Holmes aside and it ended up, that Holmes was trying, well, Theranos was trying to come after Tyler and Erica. They had them followed by, well, it was actually David Boyce, who's like a real, probably the most famous litigator in, in the U.S. And I mean, at the moment he did the, the cases with Jeffrey Epstein's victims and he's done loads of other, great and awful things like he was involved with harvey weinstein he protected harvey weinstein he was hired by theranos and he was actually also trying to stop john cararu from publishing his book and someone who used to work at david boyce's law firm heather king is who was head of well theranos's general counsel And so they were all involved that way. And David Boyce is kind of known for stuff like getting people followed. And allegedly, allegedly he is known as getting people followed. And so they had Tyler and Erica and John Carreyrou under surveillance and I'm sure tons of other people. And that's when Tyler and Erica became sources for John Carreyrou, along with a couple of other people. One of which was credited in John Carew's book as Alan Beam, but it came out recently too that it was Adam Rosendorf who was the person who caused a huge issue in the Theranos trial because he turned up at Holmes's house, like just before his sentencing. And yeah, he, there's a lot that goes on with, with him too, but Erica and Tyler ended up being the sources for Kariru that that he needed because they verified a lot of things. And they also, Tyler like had smuggled out like some emails when he left the company. So he gave them to John Kariru and really like without Tyler and Erica, John Kariru wouldn't have been able to verify and vet a lot of the stuff. He wouldn't have been able to get his book out and Erica was actually the one who wrote to the regulators that triggered the whole thing to come falling down. So really like Erica Chung, absolute hero, and Tyler Schultz too. So they really, and they were super young when all this happened too.
2: What does this say about society as a large, I feel like? I mean, the series is really popular. I mean it's clearly resonating with people. I mean, how did she fool everyone? I mean, do the people in society wanna like believe this? Like, she clearly cultivated an image that resonated with people, where she was on Time Magazine and 60 Minutes and all these other programs. Like, yeah, what does this say? Like, what's what's kind of like the huge overarching message here?
1: I mean, I think that the as well when you're talking about the title, I like to think in my head like that is. The one, you know, Elizabeth Holmes did all these things and, you know, has all these accomplishments that she talked about. But and I think personally, she probably is seething that her story is known as the dropout. Like, you know, I I don't know why I think that, but I but I think that. And when it comes to like the the message of the show and and how, I mean, people are fascinated by stuff that happens in real life that's crazy like this because you know, truth is stranger than fiction, honestly, sometimes, well, most of the time, actually. And you, you really couldn't come up with this stuff because people would think, no, somebody would catch on to this. And I, I think that it just shows you how powerful the media is. And when it is something like this, like the average person trusts their doctor and trusts the medical industry and that's why it's such an easy product to kind of lie to people about because they hide behind this kind of oh yada 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 science like the average person does not have decent knowledge of how blood testing is performed like it's a very small number of people and it really wasn't until someone who was knowledgeable about blood testing read what Holmes had written about her, you know, machine in the beginning, because the whole reason that all of this happened and John Carrew and Erica Chung and Tyler Schultz, the, the person who triggered the the whole start of this was somebody who was knowledgeable about blood testing. Adam Clapper is his name. And he has like a a little blog that was called pathology blog. And he read this, I think it was an interview that Holmes did. And he was like, "Mm, this doesn't sound right. And he had just recently spoken to, to some, to someone at the wall street journal. I think it was John Carreau himself. And he ended up just giving him like a little tip, like, Hmm, this doesn't sound right. Maybe look into it because, you know, everybody thinks this woman is like the next Steve jobs and that kind of triggered everything. And then, you know, um, Rochelle Gibbons and Richard fuse and all these other kind of home skeptics banded together and were able to get the the real truth out there. But it also was a, really hard road for them to get this truth out there because the media as well, they have to take some culpability in all of this because yes, she was fooling them and she was doing these things. But really, if, if you scratch below the surface, like a a lot of the things that she was doing, and I think this, this was initially what tipped off, like the, the, the people that I was working with who, you know, they were much older. Um, they said that they were reading like what she was saying about how the machine worked. And when you read it, honestly, it's, it's hilarious. It, it is like a middle schoolers report about like, you know, when you're in chemistry and you like do the, like dropping like potassium in water and stuff, it's very much like, Oh, a, a reaction happens and the machine, you know, makes a reading and it, it's, it's really, you know, simple and, someone speaking like that cannot be creating mind-blowing futuristic technology. It's just, it's just not the case. And with that, you know, out there, the Theranos stuff, like you scratch below the surface again and there was just more evidence that this was all rubbish because there was a lot of, just there was no kind of backing like scientific backing because any sort of new device there should be like absolutely rigorous testing and going through rounds and rounds and and there was just nothing but really elizabeth holmes's word and the media i think as well just got carried away with like this young female ceo after seeing all these you know mark zuckerbergs etc but it really has been to the detriment of female ceos and female people that want to work in silicon women that want to work in silicon valley and women that want to work you know high up in, in business because there's just that kind of chip or something surrounding it. Like people, some people were saying, Oh, dye your hair or don't wear black turtlenecks because it just has this like negative connotation. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be
0: a trigger moving forward for sure. For females trying to raise money in Silicon Valley moving forward. I'm going to read these names. So she had in her board of directors, um, people with incredibly impressive military and political credentials, most of them have zero health or medical backgrounds. You know, you have Henry Kissinger, former United States Secretary of State, Jim Mattis, retired Marine Corps, four-star general, uh, George Schultz, which we talked about, um, another former United States Secretary of State. Um, Richard Kovacevich, um, CEO of Wells Fargo, William Perry, Secretary of Defense, uh, and William Fogie, former director of CDC. Most of these people had zero medical background. I wonder why did that not raise a
1: flag for people like Walgreens? I think a lot of people like to think that they have good judgment or a lot of people, you know, they have that whole go with your gut. And I mean, with Walgreens specifically, they had Dr. J who was really the champion of getting Theranos at Walgreens. And he, I mean, he was a physician, like he wasn't anything in blood testing a lot of doctors probably think that they they do know about about blood testing and it it just depends on on the doctor like you could have the like i said the doctor that i worked for they were a primary care physician that had like 12 specialists that worked for them like an army of nurse practitioners they had an entire lab so they were very you know knew about blood testing knew everything about labs and procedures and how things should be Or you could have a physician like Dr. J that just works in in Walgreens and is like a more like a business sort of medical advisor. So it it's just it's like any anything you know. There's such a gulf of knowledge between what two people have. So I think that Walgreens just saw potential and money and beating CVS to something, and that's. What they led with instead of their brain. Talk
0: about the the culture that they created um, that Elizabeth Holmes and uh, Sunny Bowani created at uh, Theranos headquarters.
1: A lot of the people that that I've spoken to who worked there, and then also just people that uh, you know, again, like the Theranos subreddit that I've read that worked there it wasn't quite as like what they portrayed. Like it was more just kind of a regular, a regular job that was fine. I mean like all that stuff, one of the security people did, did like a AMA on, on the Theranos subreddit recently. And they were saying that, you know, they really only had like one interaction with homes and it was because, whenever they they ended up pitching like an idea for something and she thought it was like such a good idea that she asked to like meet him and like say thank you and you know all the ridiculousness of like eagle one and eagle two like that was all true she did have bulletproof glass she was super paranoid i mean if you're telling six billion dollar lies like i'd be paranoid too and a lot of that stuff was true, but then also a lot, it's like exaggerated as well. I, I know that a lot of people who have spoken in my YouTube comments, not necessarily people that work there, but they're like family members work there or friends. And they have said that it was extremely difficult for them to kind of get back on their feet after all that happened with theranos and they went through like there was one woman who was talking about i think it was her cousin that went through a really hard time trying to get a job after theranos and they're they're like okay now but it was a very difficult sort of thing and they you know they did pay very well but everything was very siloed like a lot of the people if you didn't work in the lab, like you didn't really know like what was going on. Like people, you know, people who are working in marketing or something, because even though like, yes, what, no question, like what she did was awful. She hurt all these people, but the company, I mean, they had a lot of money to do it. So of course it's going to be good, but the marketing and stuff was, was really well done. And that definitely comes from. The marketing company that they partnered with, Chiat Day, they were very instrumental in, in Apple and a lot of other big advertising companies. So they were super successful with Theranos, and their advertising was very well done.
2: You had We Crash, which came out around the same time or you know similar time frame as the Dropout, and I think there's a lot of. People making the comparisons between Adam Newman, who is the CEO and, and co-founder of, of WeWork, along with Elizabeth Holmes. I mean, do you really think that they're very similar? I mean, a, unlike Elizabeth Holmes, I mean, Adam Newman's is never going to go to jail. He actually has over a billion dollars. And in fact, you had big venture capital firms in Silicon Valley reinvest with him in a new company he has called flow, which is essentially we lived when, you know, which was a kind of a sub, uh, you know, kind of a shoot off or a branch off of we worked. W- what's your thoughts on Adam Newman versus Elizabeth Holmes?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, those are probably two, the two people I've talked about the most on, on my channel. And, you know, while I think Adam Newman has his own set of issues and he did terrible things too, not all the fault lies with Adam Newman. His, the, 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 diff, the key difference, well, there's two massive differences between them. One, Adam Newman didn't, you know, cause health issues or hurt anyone physically like Elizabeth Holmes, which is a big asterisk number one. And two, Holmes, the reason home people say like, oh, why is Elizabeth Holmes you know going to prison and Adam Newman's not? Because Elizabeth Holmes lied to her board and that is the the biggest thing. Adam Newman's board co-signed everything he did. That everything that he spent, like buying wave pool companies and bringing Rebecca Newman, his wife, in to do all the insane stuff she did, they literally said, "Go right ahead, Adam." And that's why what he did, while pr- morally was not right, it it wasn't actually technically wrong. So those are like the the biggest things with them. I think they're very similar people. And Adam Newman has his, his own set of things, but I do think that there was a very stark difference when it comes to the reception of the two shows. I think the dropout was miles and miles more successful than, than we crashed. And I, I think they were they were both pretty similar when it came to How much they were based in the truth how much they were exaggerated and they both did like a pretty decent portrayal for general audiences to like get the whole idea the one thing about we crashed is that i do think that they they focused a lot on on rebecca newman and when along i I, she is very involved in it and you have to talk about adam newman and rebecca together but i think she is, is quite an easy target. I mean, she is the epitome of like white privilege. Like, you know, the the company got started because her dad basically, you know, gave her million for her wedding or something. And they have insane, insane money and privilege, but also I think it should have maybe focused a bit more on like Adam and the things that he was doing. Yeah,
2: you know, what do you what do you think this says about the kind of the grifter economy? Right now, obviously the headlines is Sam Bakeman Freed and and FTX. You know, you had Adam Newman, you can say what you want to say about him, but I think clearly there was a lot of hype there, not a lot of substance. And the Theranos thing, I mean in in 2016, Robert Gordon, who's one of the leading economists in the world, wrote a book uh, called uh, the rise and fall of American growth. And basically what he says is that ever since about the early 1970s, that the GDP, the real GDP, which is adjusted for inflation, has actually been going down minus about an eight year period during the dot com boom. And even after the iPhone came out in 2007, that we've actually seen a constriction of the economy. And I feel like a lot of these VCs, a lot of these investment banks, they're looking for that next thing. And even if it's not there, they want to pile on because they're looking to like force this artificial growth. Back in the day, we actually used to have big engineering products or big engineering projects like the you know, Lake Mead or one of these other big hydro dams. And now all the engineering that we have is like financial engineering. You're cooking the Mm -hmm. books. I mean, Enron, you know, was a classic case in the late 90s. And now Enron seems like it's a joke compared to the FTX collapse or WeWork or, you know, even Uber. I mean, Uber had one... Positive quarter that has actually made money. Same thing with Tesla. If you take out the carbon credits, Tesla doesn't make money. Like, none of these companies actually make money that are so called, you know, the quote unquote unicorns. These unicorns are fake, they're created by the media. They don't actually exist. Like, we live in a grifter economy. None of this stuff is real. It's all fake. People are looking to jump onto the next thing. And I think that there now so everyone was just hoping like oh yeah we're just going to jump on it because we're going to make a bunch of money we don't actually care if it's real or not
1: i mean i think that the it it does like tap into some sort of i mean everybody wants to get in on the next big thing i think stuff like you know bitcoin everybody saw that and now you know we have like those jokes of there's, there's, like, some thing of, oh, 10 years ago, you know, a prize in a in a Bitcoin in a gaming competition was, like, 8 to 10 Bitcoin, and that's worth, like, you know, insane, insane money now. And everybody wants to get into the next big thing. It's, you know, you see a lot of it in influencer culture with, like, shilling all these coins that that don't go anywhere, and it's just making money off your audience. And I think that's why you have to be really careful about who you are letting influence you letting influence uh, if people are parents if it's letting you know who your kids are watching because a lot of the people who are doing those those coin shills are young men who have who you know the people that are watching them are children and I think that there's there's just this kind of thought that a a lot of people want to just get in on the next big thing, get rich, get out and really all that kind of imagine if Elizabeth Holmes, like actually stayed at Stanford and got her engineering degree and went and did, I mean, maybe she wouldn't have gone and made 6 billion, but she could have made something or she could have got a really good engineering job and she could probably be living a pretty, cause she's, she's a little bit older than me. She could be living a nice life with two kids, not going to jail for or prison for 11 years. So it's all about like choices too. I mean, you can look at these and obviously like with my channel and stuff like I I'm fascinated by all this stuff. I think it's really interesting and the psychology and stuff behind it. I do think a lot of people are interested in it just because they're really good stories. And again, truth is stranger than fiction. But I do think that it taps into this kind of wanting to, to maybe take a shortcut or just people, you know, like Anna Sorkin, the, the fake heiress, that is more like fantasy. Like, I don't think people would actually do that. And a lot of maybe not homes because it's tapping into, like, hurting people, but also most of the people watching stuff like this are normal average people who are going to nine to fives. And I think there's a little tiny bit of people that think, wouldn't it be nice if we got some of, you know, the spoils and that whole Robin Hood, like take from the rich, give to to the poor thing. So I do think that sticking it maybe to, to some of those, billionaires, uh, is, is a little bit of the fantasy there too, but is that really the worst thing in the world? Probably not. Well, was she hoping that it was like a a
0: fake it till you make it, which is very popular. Like, you know, a lot of these startups, they don't have anything going, but they have to raise money for them to go build something. So you're in a cycle of, well, I need capital. So I've got to kind of fake something until I make it because I need that capital to go make it. Now I wonder if later on she was really has this delusion of of creating blood tests with a prick of uh, you know uh, a finger prick and a, just a drop of blood, which is clearly very very impossible.
1: Yeah, I, d- I definitely think that she did believe that eventually it would, sh- if she had enough money and she had enough time. I think that she she thought that. I mean, obviously that's that's not the case for what she was claiming no way, but yeah.
2: How much money does Elizabeth Holmes actually have now, right? She raised close to a billion dollars. You have the prosecution trying to get restitution and that's a separate hearing now. They originally wanted something close to $800 million and it got yeah, the the prosecution now is saying, well, well, actually, only ten investors have come come forth, so it's looking more like one hundred twenty five ish million dollars. You know, and then in your the video that I saw, you're like, well, you know, maybe her brother offshored some some cash for her. They paid him an exorbitant an exorbitant salary because he was working for her at the time. I mean, one, how much money do you think Elizabeth Holmes? actually has or do you think that maybe she's just gonna live off billy evans
1: i think that's that's probably the like main answer is that she will live off of him and other people because all like when she was on trial she was staying in some like crazy like 40 million dollar house like she she knows people and like i said she's she's in the rich people club so borrowing people's homes and all that stuff. That's like normal, super rich people behavior. But I mean, I have grown up a rat. Like I've gone to school with, I went to school with the U.S. press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, like people like that, that they're never not going to be rich. There, There's always, there's backups of backups of backups. And I live in a tax haven now. And I know there's, there's people that, yeah on paper they'll they'll show the text, man see i've i've got no money but there's there's always there's always stuff like hidden places and she didn't have 6 million cash or 6 billion cash of course like it was all her stock like if you're her that's rich for 10 years and even if every year as a bonus you're you're buying yourself a 100 grand watch you're going to have a million dollars in watches at the end of the year. I'm just making up numbers here. And you, you do have stuff like that. And, and I mean, we don't know, like she could literally have $10 in her bank account because she is working at like a crisis hotline, apparently according to Billy Evans letter. But yeah, there's, I, I just know rich people and I just know that they always have backup plans. So who knows? But I, I think that, she will just live off Billy Evans for the rest of the rest of her life because she's not gonna get married and she has two kids with him, so he's always gonna have to sort her out in some way. Most people are saying her lawyer's fees are about thirty million right now. So I don't know how she's gonna pay that because a lot of people have claimed that this, you know, some sort of insurance policy with Theranos if she ever got in trouble, but I mean, 30 million is in insane money.
2: Hey, what's your kind of final takeaway message? You know, you've studied this for 15 years. You've worked in a lab. You work on TV sets. I mean, what is like just the main takeaway message for you that you think people should hear?
1: I think this is a really interesting, interesting case that it just shows you how everything isn't what it seems like there's there's so many people and including a lot of a lot of the rich people that people put up this facade that they're successful or this or that and and i know people who literally live in mansions with pools and cinema rooms they drive ferraris and they literally you know They get paid on the 25th of the month on the 23rd of the month they're like in the red because every month they they spend their money like people just want to keep this image up and it's the same the same thing with her like she had this whole fake facade and a lot of people do so i think that there's a lot to be said for just being who you say you are being honest and i think people always be interested in stuff like this because we all love a good story. We all love a good grifter story. And there is that kind of fascination with people. Like, I think that's more the Anna Sorkin sort of thing, but with Elizabeth Holmes, because what she did was so hurtful and stuff, there is a lot of vitriol towards her. And I think that, that people will ultimately, full on on the side of, of not liking her. It's it's very rare that I get anyone being defensive about Elizabeth Holmes. So I, I just think that overall just try and, and be authentic because it really it doesn't go well when you're not.
0: Like I personally couldn't pull this off. It's fascinating because it's like it takes a certain character, there's almost like some kind of genius behind it, but like evil genius, you know, and so, Oh, definitely. um, You know, villains are also just as fascinating than the, than uh, protagonists. But, um, I hope justice will be served. Um, and I send love and light to the people that were affected by, um, you know, the tests, uh, the people in Arizona, etc., and, uh, the investors that were duped. And, um, I'm glad that, there was a sentence or at least a guilty sentence. How many hours did you spend researching and making videos about Theranos and WeWork and bringing these
1: kinds of scams to light? Oh, a, a lot. I'd be embarrassed to tell you <laughs> <for> a lot. <laughs> I, I'm like that on my other channel. I'm very, I, I just have that that type of brain that I'm like, this has to be, you know, I have to be fully involved. Like there's, there's no halfway about it. So I, it's something that I really, really enjoy. Like I have a complete normal job. I have my own business. Like this is something I do for fun and I couldn't do it if it wasn't fun, if that
0: makes sense. Everybody that's for those of you listening and or watching on YouTube, please subscribe. Um, to uh, to Ash's channel, uh, Colton Coffee and Ash Silver. Ash Silver, yeah. Thanks so much His, for the channel. Me on. <laughs> yeah, the links will be in the description. Like we enjoy, we've enjoyed your content and like we, we can't wait till your next video on uh, on Theranos as this unfolds. And perhaps, sweetie, yeah. uh hopefully you'll come again um, and we can talk about
2: we were. And let's not forget about Sonny Balwani. He has his yeah. sentencing hearing in a few weeks. We're also going to find out what's going to happen with the restitution for Elizabeth Holmes as well coming up shortly. And Elizabeth Holmes has a two-week period to file her appeal, which we all know she will uh so we're getting so, close to thanksgiving so i'm sure there's gonna be a lot more news coming out on sunny on elizabeth oh, yeah. holmes and so ash silver has so much stuff that she's going to be able to so much content from this that you're going to find on Cults and coffee and ash silver so i'm i'm looking forward to all of the information coming out and i'm certainly going to be watching your channel thanks so much
0: really yeah. appreciate uh, you having me on oh thanks so much ash and um and everybody if you're not subscribed at podcast. Also, uh, please like, and subscribe on YouTube and find us on Spotify. We love you. And thank you for listening. And we will see you all on the next episode.